welcome to the Sequoia Breeze podcast, a breath of fresh air for your homeschool. I am your host, Rebecca Lasavio. I'm so glad that you've joined me today for this podcast all about how to plan out your homeschool year. So if you are a brand new homeschooler, or if you've only been at this for a year or two, and you're still trying to wrap your mind around how to get off to a great start this year and feel like you know what this year will bring and that you will cover the things your kids need to learn this year, stick around. I'm really looking forward to sharing some tips and tricks and plans with you. Homeschooling is a big job. Choosing curriculum and programs for our students can be exciting, but it can also be really overwhelming. In another podcast, we will cover some of the different styles of homeschooling that are out there, words that you will see as you start to research your curriculum, things like Charlotte Mason, classical, unschooling, there's lots of them. But we're not going to go into all of those details today. Today, we're going to talk more about how to even begin to wrap your head around your year. First, I would like you to sit down and think through what are the goals of your homeschool? First, think about big picture. What are the educational goals that you have for your children? Do you think or hope that they're college bound? Do you think that they are career training bound? Are they aiming for the military? Are they special needs and you have certain skills that you need them to accomplish before they're ready to leave home? What are your big goals for your kids? You want to think through your goals for them educationally. You also want to think about life skills. What life skills do you want to make sure that they have? Because so many of those life skills can be learned in the process of homeschooling. You'll also want to take into consideration character goals. Is it important in your family that your kids learn stick to itness? Is it important in your family that you spend time serving others, practicing kindness? Is it important that your kids graduate knowing I can do hard things? What is important to your family? What character goals are you going to be working toward? Because so much of homeschooling is actually working on the whole child. So really think through what you want those to be. Now, these do not have to be pages and pages of goals. It could be a couple of sentences. It could be a short list, and that's fine. But be intentional and make sure that everybody involved in this child's education is on the same page. And then you're ready to sit down and think through what subjects that you want to cover this year. Now, I want to warn you, as you look at these big goals, we're going to be doing one step at a time. I am terrible at looking at all that I want to accomplish for the whole year and feeling confident that it can be done step by step. I'd kind of like to do it all by September. So give your kids a break, give yourself a break and trust the process that baby steps will get you there. Your primary subjects are math, social studies, language arts, and science. This is particularly true for TK through eighth, but it's kind of more or less true for a lot of high school as well. Mostly, we are going to be covering the big picture of planning your year. So these things can apply to high school. It may be a little more geared towards TK through eighth. Language arts, don't forget that you need to break down. It has its own little set of subjects within it. So depending on the age and stage of your child, you may be focusing on reading, phonics, 
writing, grammar, you think through where is your child and what do they need in each of those sort of subcategories as well. Then you can move on to think about, are there any other subjects that you would like to cover? My list is by no means exhaustive. Maybe you want to add in some handwriting or typing, perhaps some PE, or you want to make sure that some of their funds are left for those PE activities like taking a gymnastics class or martial arts class. Music, whether that's playing an instrument or we're talking about music history or appreciation. Same with art. Are they taking an art class or learning some art techniques at home? Or are you, do you want to spend some time on art appreciation and art history? Coding or robotics, foreign language, nature study. There's more that you could add in. I would really challenge you to, while you might want to do several of those, not try to do them all at once. We're not going to overwhelm you or your kids. Then you're going to want to sit down and get two calendars in front of you your own personal calendar, and the school calendar. The school calendar is on the Homeschool Helper, and I will link that in the show notes. If you haven't already found that website, once you go there, please bookmark it. Almost everything you need to know about the school will be on the Homeschool Helper. Calendars, flyers, what clubs are happening, how to get a hold of high school counselors, who the people in special ed are, So many, many tabs are on there. So bookmark that. And when you have a question, go there and you'll probably find the answer. Back to our calendars. So you're going to want to think through how do you handle different events that will happen throughout the year? Birthdays. Are you going to throw out the school books that day and let your child choose what fun things they want to do? Do you want to slate those for field trip days? Do you carry on as usual? They just get pancakes for breakfast. Decide ahead of time. How are we going to, how many birthdays will there be during the school year? And how do you want to handle those? You'll also want to think through family events. Are there any trips coming up? Visitors that are going to be coming? Do they coincide with school breaks on the school calendar? Or are you going to have to rearrange some things to make that work? How about sports? Is your family highly invested in baseball in the spring? And so you know that you might need to make sure that you're a little more focused in the fall so that you are where you need to be when a heavy season starts. You also want to take into consideration, are you planning to have your kids in weekly classes? You don't want to overburden kids when they've got a couple of classes on a say on one day, or if you really, the reality is because of some outside classes that they're taking, they're really only going to have four days with you, um, then you'll need to take that into consideration as you're pacing and planning out your curriculum. What about holidays? Which holidays do you celebrate? Do you want to spend time learning about the history, culture, and traditions about that holiday beforehand? Do you want to celebrate some holidays that are maybe not part of your history and culture, but you'd like to learn more about them and about the culture that goes with them? So those things will all take time So you want to keep that in mind and be prepared for those as they come up. You'll also want to think through, how much time do you have for field trips? I love field trips. They're so much fun and there's real genuine learning and experience that goes into those as well as family memories, but it can be overdone. Our family can really start to feel overwhelmed if we're go, go, go all the time. And I begin to get discouraged with the materials that I've also planned out for the year, how much we're getting done if I allow our family to become too overwhelmed with field trips. So once you have your curriculum and you've got your calendar, you're going to want to begin to think through the pacing of your curriculum. 
That's another thing you can use a school calendar for is that a school year has about 36 weeks or 180 days. So then you can look at your curriculum and see how is that spaced out. Bookshark, for example, gives you four days of lessons plans for 36 weeks. There are other curriculum that come with 32-week plan. I find that very helpful because life happens and it can be hard to get to actual four days of using a curriculum for 36 solid weeks. I find 28 to 32 weeks to be really helpful because it gives us room to follow a rabbit trail, add in those field trips, have a sick day or two. So that to me is, I know I'm not going to actually finish all 36 weeks and that's okay too. You can pick and choose through your curriculum. Which of these things, activities do we not want to do? Do I feel we already know this or this isn't important for our goals? You can take out a lesson here and there and make that curriculum fit. You can also consider breaking your year into perhaps units of six weeks. So you could have six, six week long unit studies. Maybe you only do that with certain subjects. Maybe for science, you want to cover six different subjects and you're going to do those through your different unit studies. You can also use your semester to help guide you. My son's math book comes in two workbooks. So while I don't go through and count every single lesson all the time, I can have a gauge of by the end of the first semester, we should be about at the end of this first book. So if we're close, we're, we're doing all right. We're pretty much on track. Some curriculum is, is really hard to schedule. Uh, my daughters use a grammar program called Easy Grammar. It's great. It's really, really thorough. It's really hard to schedule. There's a lot of pages in the book. Most of them are worksheet pages. Some of them are lessons. Plus there are tests that aren't in the book. And I tried to count it once and it just wasn't worth my time. So I've just decided that if we can do about two pages a day, we're going to be in pretty good shape. And so I just go off of that. So don't spend hours and hours on something that's not particularly helpful. Then you're going to want to think through a little more. What is your own family's style? Are you a checklist person? I want to make sure we get these things done. I don't really care when we do it. Or do you need a schedule? I want to make sure that each week we're getting this much done. I have a homeschooling mom friend that during the summer, she sits down and she writes down exactly what's going to happen, what her kids are going to get done every day of the school year. She's good about not overloading them. But she still expects them, even when life happens, to find a way to get those things done. And they do. To her credit, they've managed to keep that schedule for many years. That doesn't work for me because I am not predictable enough. I allow life to come in and move us around more than that type of a schedule would allow. I tend to have a big picture at the beginning of the year. And then I will sit down each week and put into my kids' planners what I expect them to get done that week. They know how to go in and check that. Now, this is eighth grade, sixth grade, and third grade. I would not expect kindergartner, first grader to be able to keep track in their own calendar, obviously. I have in my own copy as well. But by third grade, he knows that he can go and look in there and see what to do next if I'm busy with a different kid and that he's responsible for what's on that list. So he's not done until that's taken care of. But by planning out each week, I'm able to take into consideration what field trips or activities or lessons or things are happening. And that works for me because I become personally very discouraged when I've sat down and planned out six weeks ahead. And in week two, our schedule got messed up. And so now the entire rest of the time I've already scheduled, I've already planned, isn't going to work. That drives me crazy. So because I am who I am, I try to plan accordingly. 
My friend is who she is and she doesn't want to have to think about it. She wants to know we're going to get this done and she's paced it all out. So where are you in that spectrum? Also, specific to us, don't forget, this is where I would also encourage you to from with your HST, get a schedule of which samples are going to be due and when so that you can put that into your plan as well. I need a social studies sample this month and this other month I'm going to need a math sample. Plan those out, put them in your calendar, be aware of them because samples aren't a big deal when you're prepared, but when you're scrambling to try to find them because your HST needs them so she can turn them in and you feel bad, it's really, they become a burden. They don't have to be if you plan for them, and that's easy to do because we know they're coming. And we know at the beginning of the year that we have to turn in two samples for each subject throughout the year. So don't forget to plan those in so that that doesn't have to be a burden. If this is your first year with one of the Sequoia Grove schools, you're probably getting really nervous about placing orders and getting your curriculum and wondering what you're supposed to do at the beginning of the school year if you don't have your curriculum yet. Don't worry. It will be okay. Your teacher knows that you don't have your curriculum yet. They aren't expecting you to be working on that day one, but you can still plan and be prepared. You can look up all kinds of different resources online for free lessons or very cheap unit studies. You could take your kids to the library and decide that for the first month of school, we're going to study weather patterns and your kids can find books about weather and they can make a model or draw pictures. You can look up online for resources about weather and you could spend the first month studying weather for science. You could even study some significant historical weather events. Your kids could write about it. Perhaps they could write a story about imagining what it would be like to be in a tornado. So there are many ways that you could incorporate one study that you could use with your whole family that you could use for a month to cover lots of different subjects. You could even take a field trip to the zoo where they have one of those um, hurricane wind machines. You put the money in and the wind starts to spin. Um, go someplace like that where they have this little fun event that's attached to what they've been learning. How, what does wind that is that strong actually feel like? This can be particularly educational for California kids who have a very limited amount of weather that we even get to experience. So get creative, plan ahead a little bit, and that beginning of school doesn't have to be frustrating or scary. The other thing that you'll need to plan is your budget. As you're looking at your school funds and how you're going to spend those and which vendors you're going to use, pay attention to how much do monthly lessons cost. You'll be surprised at how quickly those funds can go with monthly lessons. If the lessons are $100 a month, we have 10 months of school, there you go. There's $1,000 of your money that is already spoken for. So keep that in mind as you're buying curriculum. Maybe you don't want to spend money on a $1,000 full package curriculum from a from a vendor. You may want to get some of those books from our lending library or find a cheaper option. Plan for field trips. Don't forget to leave some money for field trips if you're wanting to participate in those. Some of them are not expensive. Going roller skating might cost $6, but if you're really interested in things like Broadway Sacramento shows, then you're going to need to reserve quite a bit, you know, maybe up to $50 for each person to be able to take those trips. And if you need any tech products like a laptop or a Chromebook or a printer, then you're definitely going to need to figure that into your budget as well. So keep that in mind as you're planning and starting to get ready for orders. Hopefully, thinking through calendars, 
and types of curriculum and schooling style and how your family functions will help you come up with a good plan of how to start your year with your curriculum. But I don't want to stop there. I also want to cover how you are going to prepare your home for homeschooling. If you've already done this, think through what worked and what didn't work. What's keeping homeschool from being peaceful? I need a space for school stuff. The thing about homeschool is that it's done at home. And home is a place that we want to be in. We need to be comfortable there. We want our kids to be comfortable there. And when we are spending the vast bulk of our time inside these four walls, it needs to be a place that can function well and create a peaceful atmosphere for all of the learning and growing and developing that we want to see happen. We want to remember that we are not simply educating our children by replacing a brick and mortar school. We're raising our kids while we teach them about the world around them and prepare them for adulthood. This is a serious job, and so we want to take seriously considering the environment that we are in and creating. Some of us function in chaos, and if that's true and you can keep your plans straight and keep track of your books, even if the rooms around you are not in perfect order, then great. But if that drives you crazy, then you need a plan. You can't just hope that every morning when you wake up, the room is going to be in order. You're also going to need to think through the way your family is going to learn and function best. Does it need to be more formal? Do you want to have sitting space? Do you want each kid to have a desk? Is a kitchen table going to work? Is a table someplace else going to work? Is it time to combine a couple of kids into one bedroom so that another room can be a homeschool room and school can be a place where the door gets closed? Or are you happy to school on the couch with a basket holding books under the coffee table? What works best? What style is going to work best for your family? Are you perhaps more outdoorsy rather than indoorsy? So maybe you need some good bookshelves, but you don't need a ton of indoor space because you know that most of your school is going to be happening outside. Do you want to be able to do most school activities together as a family with your kids? Or are you working and the reality is your kids are primarily going to be on the computer doing school online? And if that's true, then you need a different kind of space, a space that perhaps is quiet for them. Or perhaps you need to be able to see them while you're working. And so they need a desk that's somewhere near your desk. Think through your needs and how this is going to work best. If you have little people, really think through that. Are there some boxes of toys that you can keep that are only for during school time so that the two-year-old can play with those toys while you're working with a big brother or sister? That might be a really helpful technique. Keeping the little people occupied while you're doing school with the bigger kids is probably another podcast itself, but don't forget to plan for them. Or are you going to do school during nap time? Are you going to have some subjects that you can do together, even with the little people? Or are there some subjects that are easier to do, even with toddlers and preschoolers around? Or do you need to come up with a real specific plan about time of day when you're going to be able to work without the attention-seeking small person around. You'll also want to think through some habits. A recent lifesaver for our family is that I have made a list that I call the evening checklist, and it's on a little chalkboard hanging on the wall. And the kids, when I say, okay, guys, it's time to do the list, 
all four of them will go and look at the list and they know they need to clean off the island. They need to make sure the school table is clean. They need to make sure that the couch pillows are put back and any toys are put away. They make sure that the shoes by the front door are orderly. They go through that list so that we can wake up to a house that's in reasonable condition. Having that list, instead of saying, you forgot this, you forgot that, how come nobody did that? Hey, I already told you to do this, do it. They have a list to go through and all four of them are looking at that list and going through it and deciding who's gonna do what and I don't have to micromanage because they know what's necessary and they can check it off themselves. What kind of habits can you put in place that will help prevent your family from feeling overwhelmed by school or just overwhelmed by the house that you're in a lot all together? What will your wake-up routine be? Is there a time they need to be up? Are you going to let them sleep until they wake up on their own? Who makes breakfast? Who's responsible for the dishwasher? All of these things are things that will need to be thought through and planned. You'll also want to think through, depending on the age of your kids, who in your household is responsible for the meals and the shopping, the laundry, the yard and the garden, cleaning? Who's going to take care of those? Do the kids have their own chores? Our parents splitting this up together? When do these things happen? Because it's easy to think that, oh, I'll be home all day. Those things don't aren't a big deal. I'll just go shopping on Wednesday mornings. The reality is every little chore begins to cut into school time. Unless, of course, those chores are school. Because remember, we are educating our kids and life skills are a part of that education. So you decide Do you want those things to be a part of school? Do you want lessons to be in there? Or do those things need to happen at a different time? You will also want to think through as you're getting ready and you're excited for the fresh school year and you're setting out new pencils and paper and ordering that curriculum and making all of these plans. Do you need a motivational system? I use one. Some people love them. Some people hate them. I have colored bracelets that my kids wear. They start out with green. I have a bunch of different colors on my wrist. As long as everybody is moving along and behaving, we're fine. We stay on green. But if somebody is getting distracted or not being respectful or bugging a brother or sister consistently, then they will get a yellow bracelet. And this reminds them that they are being warned that it's time to make different choices. Then a little while, if that behavior changes, they go back to green. No big deal they refuse to change that behavior, they end up with a red and that leads to consequences. I will say my oldest don't really need these anymore. They actually still enjoy wearing them. So it's not a problem. This is a particularly helpful system with younger kids. At the end of the day, anybody with a green bracelet gets a ticket. Anybody with a blue, which means you, I caught you doing something excellent and out of the ordinary, gets two tickets. There are other tickets for completing work, practicing instruments, being kind, whatever it is that I want them doing their memory work, whatever it is that I want them to be learning and focusing on will earn them tickets. And then we have a prize box. Some of those things have actually cost me money to put in there. Some of them don't. It might be go on a walk with mom or dad. It might be choose your own favorite dinner. So there are lots of different ways that they can be rewarded for these things. Now, After years of doing this, we rarely go beyond green because they know what's expected. But it's really helpful for me to have a way to say, hey, this behavior has to change in a way that has no emotion attached to it. Here's a yellow bracelet. I hope that this behavior changes soon. 
And I don't feel that I have to get upset or angry to deal with this problem. I also have had different motivational systems at different times, things like learning their multiplication system. I found this really cute thing online where it's got a printout, a ice cream cone, and each of the different multiplication tables has another scoop. So there's the twos and the threes and the fours and the fives all the way up through 12, where there's a little bit of whipped cream and a cherry on top that says I did it. And they we can stick that to the wall and move a paper clip up as they take little tests and learn their multiplication tables and they can earn a Sunday at the end. They have loved that and it's been very motivational. Another area where I find motivation really helpful is in the time when they're transitioning from learning to read books to actual chapter books. I have found that my kids have often had the ability to read the chapter books, but haven't had the stick to itness at the beginning to learn, oh, there's some really fun stories. There's a whole world inside this book that I want to visit and I want to spend the time to learn to read it. So this year with my third grade boy who is capable of reading them, but hasn't had the patience to sit and read them, I decided that I would um, use AR points. I will link to the AR, the Accelerated Reader website in the show notes. But AR points are something that are used in many brick and mortar schools. You can look up any book. For instance, Henry and Ribsy by Beverly Cleary is worth three AR points. So I told him when he had read 20 points that he would get a prize. And that has been really motivating to him. And he actually just accomplished that yesterday. He got to 20, but he's been reading books putting them down, asking me for the next one. He wanted to get to those 20 points, but in the process has discovered that he really enjoys reading these books. And we've been talking about which books he really enjoys and why, so that I can help him narrow down a genre when he's looking for a good book to read that he will enjoy. So there are lots of different ways that you can use motivational tools in your school. Some people are much more comfortable with that than others, or different types of motivation is much more interesting to some than others. So think through if you want to do any of those kinds of things. The last thing I would really encourage you to consider with your homeschool is your children's behavior. You are going to be spending a lot of time with your kids. What do you guys do that you most enjoy together? My kids' favorite part of homeschool, and mine too, is when we're all on the couch together reading. I read them different stories. Some are picture books, some are chapter books. We cover lots of different subjects with reading. It might be a science book. It might be a nature book. It might be art or music. It might be a read aloud. We read lots of different books together and we all really enjoy that. So I've noticed that when we start to skip those parts of the day, we all start to get a little cranky and we don't enjoy school as much. What do you and your kids really enjoy? Is it going on walks or bike rides? Make sure to fit those things in. But you also want to think through, are there any significant behavior problems in your family that are going to make school really difficult? All kids are learning good behavior. All parents are learning good behavior. And I promise that homeschool will challenge you in this. But If there's something really significant, if there are meltdowns that are not manageable, if there's a real lack of respect, I would really encourage you before school gets going to take some time to think about those things. Do you need to get help? Do you need to work on some behavior modification in some specific areas? Effort that you put into your kids' good behavior and respect of you and one another will reap benefits for years to come. Because remember, We aren't just teaching our kids how to read. We are raising human beings who will be adults one day. And these lessons 
are more important than the academic lessons. Raising good people. Homeschooling is hard and it's not always peaceful, but I would encourage you to seek peace in your home. If you need help with that, please reach out and ask for resources. Homeschooling is hard and raising kids is challenging, but it doesn't have to be overwhelming and unmanageable. And finally, don't forget the cardinal rule of homeschooling. Be ready to flex. Evaluate. Did this work? Did it not? Why? And then adjust and then try again. It's okay if it's not something that worked really well last year isn't working this year. It's okay if that curriculum we thought was going to be amazing wasn't. Try again. Just keep adjusting. And remember that your kids are growing up and they're entering new stages of development and understanding. And so sometimes the system that was in place isn't going to work anymore. And that's great. You've done your job and continue to grow your kids. So reevaluate, adjust, and try again. We covered a lot of information today. And clearly, there are many other things we could have talked about and will talk about in future podcasts. But I hope that you feel equipped to begin your homeschool journey for this coming year and that you feel encouraged that you can do this. And as always, the team of Family Liaisons is here to help you. So reach out if you have further questions, if you need more help, if you need some ideas, we'd love to help you with that. Thank you for listening and enjoy your year. We're so glad you joined us today for the Sequoia Breeze podcast. I have been your host, Rebecca Lasavio. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, please send us an email at podcasts at sequoiagrove.org. We would love to hear from you.